High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Ah, good afternoon to you. Five minutes past 12 o'clock, Thursday it is. Um, you're tuned to, as you know, Chai FM, and this is the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Nikki Severini here. As always, an absolute privilege to be with you. So I have to say, I'm a little bit shaken, and I am a little bit stirred. Um, driving here, um, I witnessed an accident. Um, and at the outset, let me just say, thank God no one was injured. And, you know, when you have to be on radio, you can't exactly stop off and have a conversation and help, which is what I would have liked to have done. But the reason I'm shaken and stirred is... You know, witnessing an accident is never a pleasant thing, but it's more the reactions um, that I find so disturbing. This is, in fact, the second accident that I've witnessed, and this has been the reaction. So you've got a young gentleman on a motorbike, um, and obviously he's driving fast, and then you've got someone in a car, and he wants to turn right. And the robot is now orange, and it's about to turn Red, And what this guy on the motorbike decides to do is zip through. And the guy in the car decides, well, it's time for me to turn right. And what happens, obviously, the man on the motorbike crashes into the man in the car. His motorbike goes flying. He goes flying. As I said, thank God everyone is okay. But what I find... Disturbing, besides interesting, um, is the immediate reaction of the driver in the car. He gets out the car, he's fuming, he goes marching up to a young man lying on the floor and he shouts out, what are you doing? Couldn't you see the robot was red? And this poor guy gets up and he's trying to gather everything and he goes, no, but it was green. No, it was red. Oh, it was green. Oh, red. And as I said, I've witnessed this before not so long ago, another accident. Someone missed, you know, I think people are on their phones, they're not concentrating, went through a robot and hit someone else. And I understand the anger. And I remember when I was in an accident not so long ago. But why is it not our instinct to run up to a person lying on the road and say, are you okay? Are you all right? Can I help you? Are you in pain? Why is the instinct to defend our action and to attack other people? Why is that more important than being a human being? Where is our humanity going? Are we becoming so desensitized? Is it so important to be right and the other person wrong that we lose connection with fellow human beings and I think it's something we have to think about and it's something we have to talk about and that's actually why I am so excited to have our guest in the studio because he's written a book about this he's written a book about these instinctive reactions that we have as opposed to intentional responses and he may respond and say Nikki that's actually not what my book's about at all but I think it speaks a lot to why we as human beings go to those kind of reactions and what impact that's having, having on our quality of life. What impact it's having on our physiology. So, wow, what do you think of that? Incidentally, if you'd like to communicate with us during the show, please feel free to WhatsApp us on 0618951019 or you can SMS us on 34519, 34519. So our next guest is, well, he's been on radio for many, many years. So this is not a scary environment for him, which is an absolute pleasure. He is an author, he's a coach, he's a speaker, he is a trainer, and he's just written a book called Get Activated, How to Shift from Instinctive Reactions to Intentional Responses. I'm so delighted to introduce Robin Pullen onto the show. Robin, hello 
and welcome. Nikki, hi, and thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. As I said, you know, having this experience driving here and then knowing that I'm speaking to the man who's written a book about this. Um, and before we go into the breakdown of the book, I'm going to ask you your experience and your input and your point of view. Why do we lose humanity? Why is the instinct, and I'm not saying it's everybody's instinct, but twice I've seen it, that a person gets out the car and they want to attack. They don't see a human being and say, are you okay? I think I think it is everybody's instinct. I think to attack or to see if to, we're okay. To react in that situation uh-huh. in line with how we are conditioned mm-hmm. and how we've trained ourselves to response. Uh, respond. And the reason I wrote my book is because uh, as a trainer, as a coach and a trainer, I've worked with over 108,000 people. And this is the very thing that I just was staring me in the face. Why do good people do bad things? Why do clever people intentionally do stupid, stupid. things? Oh. And why I wrote another book. I haven't published it yet, but I, I, I set it out in my customer base called uh, the Cracking the Common Sense Code. Why? Why, when you know what you need to do and should do, do you choose to do the other? Or why, when you say you will do that, and you promise somebody, or even worse, you promise yourself that you're going to do that good thing, then in the moment you choose to do the other Something thing. Something else. Uh, it's very interesting, the story you told to open up the segment. Uh, my girlfriend and I actually witnessed a, a situation at a shopping mall in Joba yesterday where a guy... Um, had an epileptic fit on the on the on the dry, on the tarmac outside mm-hmm. in the parking area, and just exactly that same thing played out. How some people run to the situation, confident, clear to be able to step in and help, and other people are so shocked by what they're experiencing that they want to attack the situation. They've got nothing to do it. They're not involved. It's not their fault. They know nobody, but this emotion from deep down inside rises up. It it, it races to take over. And because they're unfamiliar with that emotion, what they're familiar with is shock, is anger, is attack. And that's what they use to dissolve the situation. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to expand on this. Let's uh, break it down for you after the break. Stay with us. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back. This is the DR Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. My guest, Robin Pullen, is in the studio, author, coach, speaker, trainer, just written a book called Get Activated, How to Shift from Instinctive Reactions to Intentional Responses. And Robin, just before the break, we were talking about why do good thi- good people do bad things? Why in a situation when we should help are we wanting to attack? Where does that come from? The human condition, absolutely fascinating. But your first response was you said people are reacting in a way that has become a habit, you said. Something so, like that. So what is a habit? Good good observation. A habit is a sequence of instinctive responses or conditioned learning. Habit means you do a behavior habitually. Mm-hmm. So you do, you, re, you, you physically take an action, and that physical can be a thinking action, a feeling action, and a physiological action. Mm-hmm. And when you do that recurrently, like you do that again and again, it becomes a habit. And over time, that habit becomes your culture or your way of being. So we, we are conditioned by what we read, by what we listen, by how we shaped by our parents and our community 
from from little we are conditioned to i call it uh, your invisible script you have a, a set of lists or rules of what fixed looks like when you look at the world around you 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 have the subconscious rule about in this situation what should it look like should should i be happy or sad should i be confident or scared should i step in or should i step out and in that moment, what's happening, most people we don't realize is that we're actually, we're not thinking about the situation. We're thinking about how we're feeling, about how we're thinking about that situation. So come back to that story that you started with. It's such a powerful, it's a helpful uh, metaphor, analogy. You've got two people in a situation. The one person is in fear. The way they're feeling about what they're thinking about is, am I okay? Am I alive? Another person in the same situation, mm. just on the other side of the car or the bike or the situation, they're not in fear. They're in anger. They, their time has been messed up with now. They've lost control of the situation. Mm. Probably they feel ashamed because they've made a mistake. So now their ego is down. Their their child heart is, is wounded. And now they have to quickly make amends. So the emotion rises up. So they're angry now. And defend themselves in shame, and they're not thinking in that situation. They're thinking about how they're feeling about what they should be thinking, and they actually sideline themselves. So, so their emotion hijacks that moment, and then the, the actions that they take, their conduct and their behavior, shifts to the instinctive one, the lizard brain of defend myself, defend myself physically, defend myself intellectually, my mind, and defend myself emotionally, my heart. And that's why people do Things we don't intend to. Mm. So, I mean, this is a extreme situation. You talk about the lizard brain. It's your reaction. It's the instinct. Yes. Now we're talking about a normal everyday interaction with someone. You bump into someone in a shopping center. You're interacting in a meeting. You're having a conversation with your partner or a sibling or whatever it is. When does that kind of instinct um, play out in your everyday situation? And so who's in control? Well, okay, so... Forgive the humor, but, but the answer is, well, only when you're awake. It always plays out, but only when you're awake. Mm -hmm. The difference is that some of us are more conscious to it and some of us are not. And the more unconscious, the more the subconscious in control of your life, the more unaware you are of the caliber, the quality of decisions you're making or how in control you are of your situation. It's more evident. It's easier to see in a crisis. It's easier to yeah, see in a situation yeah. where, extremes, oh, my God, it's extreme. Right, yeah. But nothing's changed from five minutes before the accident. Nothing's changed from how that person will go home that evening and replay to their loved one or their friends and family of how things went down. Later on, they're going to tell the same story, and they're still going to defend themselves. Mm, they see it from their perspective. They, so, so sorry, Robin. Mm. So, so are you saying that kind of a person who reacts in that way—the anger, the shame, the all of that—would um, that would that be their default reaction when they're under pressure? Let's so, if their child nudges them in the wrong way, if their partner nudges them in the wrong way, so we're not talking about the extreme accident. Yeah, let, let, let's just level the playing fields here. It's not them or they; it's us. Us. Okay. We are all <laughs> That's like so this. true. <laughs> we are all like this. Some of us just have more courage to admit it. And mm -hmm. the reason I can speak about this is not only because of the training that I've done and the 
professional experience I've developed in this space, but also because of my own journey of consciousness, my own journey of, of let me say, uh, becoming authentic and real with myself mm-hmm. and going, oh, I'm doing this too. Mm. The reason I can help someone unlock this is because it's familiar to me. I've been there before. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to play, you know, just level that playing mm, the field. Us and them and it's the, it's mm. not somebody else's issue. Mm. We as human beings are like this. Mm. The opportunity is that as we learn, like our language improves and our vocabulary improves and we realize, oh, I'm also doing that. And it's as simple as somebody closes the door in front of you. Somebody steals steals your parking space, like like it was yours, really. Mm-hmm. No, but I had this, con- I had this expectation to enjoy the privilege of parking in that space, so I attached ownership to it. And in a moment, someone else just didn't see me, didn't see me at all, and drove in front of me and took that space. Now I feel like I've been robbed. Mm-hmm. And what happens in that exact moment is my emotion rises up, and I'm not thinking about the p- parking space anymore. I'm now thinking about how I feel about losing something that I had attached a value to and that makes me either angry or shame and that's how we get stuck in our situations. Okay. Let's take a break. Um, we'll get uh, right back to Robin after the break. If you have any questions for Robin, you can SMS us on 34519. I see we have an SMS I'll read out after the break. Please stay with us. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, good afternoon. If you've just tuned in, I'm Nikki Severini. This is the DL Link Show, and I have Robin Pullen in the studio, who's an author, coach, speaker, and trainer. He's just written this book, uh, Get Activated, How to Shift from Instinctive Reactions to Intentional Responses. Um, such an interesting conversation that we're having. I just want to read out an SMS from Karen who said, I had an accident when a motorbike hit my car. I immediately checked if he was okay and kept in touch with him for a a few months to check. Thank you, Corin. Thanks for that. So that was actually going to be my question, Robin. If you know how how do we how do we because it's not them and it's us and we how do we move from that instinct which creates separation? Because I said, where's the humanity? So someone like Corin, her instinct is to go and to help and not just help, stay in touch with this person. Now a lot of people go, oh no, no, don't, don't stay in touch because you could be liable because this could happen. But her humanity overrode that, which means there's hope. Right. So, so first, just a shout out is Corin. Yes. Get the name right. Congrats, Corin. That's awesome. And, and or thank Karen, you, yes. Karen and Corin. Thanks for that 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 response and the courage to share that with us because we we need more good stuff out mm. there. We need to know that it's not just angry people who are hurting who who rule society. Um, but yes. So so what happened there is is that her conditioned bes- response, her conditioned behavior, is one of outside of herself. She's not defending. She's not she she's not under attack. Um, there's a there's a saying I'm, I I want to say Wayne Dyer, but I'm I, I don't know who's I can't remember who, where it comes from exactly. Mm-hmm. But this idea, this is the idea that I live by, is that I need to recognize that in every situation I played a part. I had a contribution to what happened in that moment, the good and the bad and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Now there's an idea of called natural consequences, so I have to deal with my natural consequences. I don't have to carry them. They're not a baggage on my back that I have to drag around, but I need to deal with them. And what what was described by that analogy is something happened and that person, that individual could deal with the situation, 
but uh, extend light. Uh, see beyond the, the the situation and not take person. There's no need for defense. There's mm-hmm. like, hey, it happened. Life happened. Accidents happen, mm. um, and we can we can live lightly. What's going on? The science there is that in her head, heart, and hands, in her headspace, her thinking capacity, her the way her her, her invisible scripts, the 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 rules that she's chosen to live by, are serving her. Are, are kind toward others, uh, putting life before stuff, putting people before property. Mm. Uh, you know, so there's, there's some really good thinking going on there, which allows in her heart space an open-hearted, a caring, kind, concerning, open-hearted uh, emotion. Now, the key with emotion is that emotion is energy in motion. Energy in motion. So when you're trapped in an emotion, that's the energy that you can use to move with. When you're trapped in anger and hatred and shame, what energy do you have? Then why are we surprised when we act that way? We can't get our physical body, our physiology, your hands to do something different. Mm. What I heard her describe is that her heart space, her, her emotion was one of quick forgiveness and then care and concern. And that energy in motion empowered her to stay in touch with that individual and to check in long after the situation because mm. she had the freedom to do so. Sure. In my language, she's tapping into the light, into the universe, and she's she's engaging in the world around her from a very different place where you tapped into anger and heartache and shame and frustration, all that stuff, that negative light. You're going nowhere fast. That energy is so dense and so heavy, it, it, there's no motion, and that's why it feels like an anchor, and that's why people who's thinking – the the invisible scripts, uh, when they're trapped, whenever they they hit an, ob, an I call it an obstruction, so a situation that, that triggers you to react emotionally to something, that obstruction. If if your conditioned thinking and feeling is negative, is in the in, in negative light, heavy light, because light is light. There's mm-hmm. bright light and there's dark light. Mm-hmm. But when you're trapped there, then that energy in motion is so dense and heavy, you go nowhere for years. Sometimes 30, 40, 50 years, mm. people go nowhere. Mm. And that's, where they, that's why their heart and their lives are so heavy and so depressed. But it doesn't have to be that way. So, well, in your book, how to shift from instinctive reactions to intentional responses. So the instinctive reaction, you're talking about that conditioned response, the instinctive Correct. reaction, Correct. right? The, the some person who's empathetic, open-hearted, um, forgives and then checks in, and the other person, the blame, the shame, the everything, to intentional responses. And and in your book, you talk about three um, domains, yes. and you've mentioned them, talking yeah. about it now. So you you spoke about the the hand, the heart, the just it, 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 break so, it so down. I, I, I like to think so. The H three model: the head, heart, and hands. In any head, situation, heart and hand, right? You can check in what's going on in my headspace. What's going in my heart space? So head would be thought. So your yeah, intellectual intelligence. Right. Your, so, and I, and I use the three because I like the number three. Mm-hmm. It's a good number. It's, it's balanced and I need another H. So I used instead of physiology and biology and Hand. all that, you, uh, hands. I like And it. as a trainer, as a coach, as someone who helps businesses take action, you need something that they can put in their hands. Mm-hmm. So the model works for me. Head, heart and hands. Head, intellectual intelligence or your head sense. Heart, your emotional intelligence, not just EQ, but your living emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. 
um, and hands, your physiology, your physical body, as well as your experience and expertise, your skills, your talents, and your tools. Mm -hmm. So your physiology is a good one. Like right now, you and I are in a radio station. We're in the studio, and I can feel myself fit on the chair. I can actually, I can feel the weight of my body and my butt on the seat of this chair. Mm -hmm. Someone listening might be in their uh, car or in their office, and they can do the same. And and we're not in the same room. Someone listening right now, we're in, possibly in another country, but we share that same state that we can both experience the same physiology. In a situation like the, the car accident, the physiology is you have this, this shock experience. Something happened to the vehicle. You have to get out of your vehicle. There your body's moved. Mm -hmm. As you move, you can engage that physical, that hand sense, the physiological intelligence. And as you do that, you can engage your heart, your emotional intelligence. And you can choose then. There's a choice there to make. Do I go back to the, the, the negative energy that doesn't serve me? Or can I choose to see, to look for and see the light, the, the warm energy, the, 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 the emotion that can serve me? Mm -hmm. And how you do that is you engage your head sense, your intellectual intelligence. Uh, it doesn't just happen. Instincts are built over time, layered by layer upon layer, conditioning at home, at in our communities, in the in what we watch, television, radio, what we read. But it, your your mind is incredibly powerful. We completely underestimate the power of the mind. And when we do this intentionally, there's that key word. When I intentionally engage with or the word I like to use, I activate my head sense. I activate my heart sense and I activate my hands, my physiology. In that moment, I can almost regain control of what happens next. And what happens next is usually a result of what I choose to do or how I choose to act. And that action can be a spoken, a verbal action, a, a physical gesture towards somebody or just asking a better question. I'm finding the whole physiology, the, 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 that part quite fascinating. You yes. know, we talk a lot about cancer um, on this show. We talk a lot about health, um, wellness, yes. and obviously mind wellness. We spend a lot of time talking about that. But, but just talking to that, interesting um, people listening, as you say, the idea that you're sitting, the idea that you're then standing, movement. You know, and, and, and we always talk about the heart-mind Connection. Yes. So, so what kind of role does that play? How, and how do people? So you're saying you think about it, you feel about it, but when you when you have a sick body, um, and we often talk about this disconnect between the mind and the body, and we, you know, this is the body that could be letting us down right yeah. now. I mean, you just think about something that we can all relate to if we are getting older. This disconnect of is this is this my body? These grey hairs, this wrinkle. We talk about illness. Is this illness? So, what do we do with that, Robin? Well, a, a couple of powerful questions, and my heart has been hijacked by something I heard, I think again, by Louise Hay from mm -hmm. her house, and she has a phrase, I think it's her, maybe okay. I'll go it wrong again, I apologize. I mean, I'm just saying, priest, that you remember all this, <laughs> fantastic. So, so the, the, the idea there is this idea of disease. So you, you described a couple of things, but really what they are, descriptions of a body in dis-ease, mm -hmm. when you're not at ease with yourself, and another way to describe that is when you're not aligned. You're not aligned with your authentic, your perfect, I like to call it your sacred self. So there's a couple of like, can I say, out there thinking that I'm about to dive into is not the intent of the book. It's not the intent of the show, but this is where it comes from to answer your question. Well, let me put it, let me be personal here. 
There was a day when I suffered from pain. I had a rhinitis condition, so it's something like uh, sinusitis. It's that that ugly green post-nasal drip that you wake up with every short story. 35 years, sorry, it's a condition. It's an environmental thing, and the only way you're going to solve it is if you have these expensive drugs and blah, 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 until one day I heard Louise say this thing, and I started to do some internal personal work, and I and I recognized, hang on, there's lots of principles you can choose to believe or not believe models. And the point is I had stuff in my heart sense and my there was stuff I was holding on to that I wasn't willing to speak out. Hmm. I had emotion tapped in my heart and I wasn't both that I had done and that was done towards me. Mm-hmm. And here's what I want you to hear me say. Mm-hmm. In a day, in one day, not in the 35 years of taking the little blue tablets, in one day, I did the personal work, and I have not had that rhinitis condition since. I did the emotional work based on the intellectual understanding in the physiological state, in the phys- phys- physiological place. And since then, my physical body in that space no longer suffers dis-ease. In that wow. space, I no longer have any of the symptoms. And when I feel, like for me, when I feel the nose coming in and I feel the throat, my first question is not where are the blue tablets. My first question is, what's going on in my state? What's more, what am I trapped? What what am I not dealing with? And then, now that I've written the book, I use the activation trifecta that I talk about in the book. So I go, okay, so I'm experiencing physiologic. I've got this hand thing going on. What's the relation to the heart thing? Heart, emotional sense, emotional intelligence. And then what do, what work do I need to do in the intellectual space, my intellectuals, my head sense? And I call that the trifecta. When you can link your head, your heart, and your hands, your physical body together, you can unlock another insight. Mm. So when it comes to body and health, and, and, and when it comes to uh, – it's a very thin line I'm going to step on here, but I do believe it. When it comes to critical things, or what's another better word to say – such a stuff not understood very well, like cancer, horribly understood, mass market medical stuff out there, big people who want to generate big income, so they proliferate a lot of ideas about what it is or isn't. But the truth of the matter, your physical body can heal itself. When we have this activated trifecta in play, you can co-create with the universe. You can connect with God and you can change absolutely anything in your life. And I can say it with this confidence and clarity. That is a very big statement to make on the show I like have. this. It's a, it's a, I mean, I hear you, Robin, and I think, I, I, you know, I think with many illnesses you can. And I, I just think that there's so many cancer warriors who listen. We've lost so many cancer warriors who the fight was just too big. Um, you know, the, the disease was just too far. You, and you have those who go into remission. I, 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 you know, I think everyone's story is also, it's and, so and individual. Must, Each challenge we, is so individual. We need to take a moment then to also just to, again, level the playing field. This is not a comment against anyone who has succumbed to a condition of cancer or who suffers, is suffering and going through their journey. I, at the same time, so I can say this big statement, but I can also at the same time with the same confidence say, you are where you need to be right now. Wow. You are exactly <laughs> where you need to be right now. What you might not see is what the gift is in that moment. Sure. Intellectually, emotionally, or physiologically. Mm, and being awake to that. Cancer's the wake-up call, isn't it? Too many. So it's so interesting because Lynn Hill, um, who's the founder of Soul Power, um, she's an inspirational warrior. She's a goddess, 
globally represented speaker. Um, people have called her South Africa's Oprah Winfrey. Um, she talks about transcending pain by finding its highest purpose. And that's kind of what you're speaking to, Robin. So I'd like to welcome Lynn onto the show. Hi, Lynn. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, hello. Uh, loud and clear. Can you hear us, Lynn? Awesome. Yes, I've Fantastic. been listening. I've been listening. And I know you know Robin. So, Robin, Lynn, reacquaint yourselves. You know one another quite well, I believe. Hello, awesome Lynn. stuff, Robin. <laughs> Good to connect with you again. Awesome stuff. So, so, Lynn, I mean, you talk about transcending pain by finding its highest purpose. Please expand on that. One of the definitive experiences in my life um, where I, I just, I was only 15, I was very brutally um, raped and I was in pain as a result of that. Um, I nearly died. I traveled down the tunnel of death um, and I was nearly killed. And had I not, and, and, and I was in the middle of post-traumatic stress disorder one year later, when I was 16, I had this voice say to me, if you did not die for the reason that you were supposed to, you had to be living for a reason far greater than you're nearly dying. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that, that for many years after 16, I think way into my 30s, um, I could not understand why someone could brutalize anybody. I, you know, not just in my case, but, but just humanity. Why do people kill, um, each other? Mm. Why, why did that happen to me? And had I, had I hung on and clung onto the why, um, in a state of, of pity, in a state of, um, having felt victimized by all of this, I would never, ever have reached my goals and my dreams and have been able to give back to humanity. At 16, when I had that moment, it was really an epiphany of if I didn't die, I had to be living for a reason. And so what I chose to focus on um, was really – what can I do with the pain? What is the gain in this pain? What meaning? If I can't extract meaning from why someone did this to me, what was the other meaning that I could give this? Because it had to count for something. Mm. And, um, and, and so began a journey. You know, it wasn't in one moment that I, I was just able to transcend pain. I think it was, um, a, 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 an incremental journey of, 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 of transcendence. But it was very, I think it was, it was really based on the fact that I made a choice, even at 16, in the midst of post-traumatic stress disorder, that I was not going to, I was damaged. I, my mind, my body, my soul, I felt demolished. But there was one thing that I chose was never, ever going to be touched. And that was that my dreams would never be damaged. And um, so began the journey of transcendence, Nikki. Sure. Wow. Wow, Lynn, what a journey from from such a young age um, and to have such an insight 
Um, I think at that age to be a victim and to to shrink away from life, I think would be such an instinctive reaction. But for you to choose to rather expand um, is um, is huge, Lynn. So what I mean, what were the steps? I mean, you're now a psychologist. You train. You go out there. You shift people all the time. You do incredible, incredible things. But the journey um, from this 16 year old to you going now and touching people's lives, um, I'm sure many challenges along the way and many setbacks along the way um, as well as triumphs and, and awakenings. Maybe um, after the break you can you can just speak to that. We, we're going to be back in a moment, Lynn. Stay with us. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, we have Robin Pullen in the studio. He's been talking about his book, Get Activated, How to Shift from Instinctive Reactions to Intentional Responses. And Lynn Hill has joined the conversation. Um, she's the founder of Soul Power, um, and she trains people, and she's a, a speaker, um, really just an incredible warrior. So, Lynn, just before the break, I said um, that journey from the 16-year-old to the woman that you are today, um, just if you can, just briefly share some of the experiences. Um, where would I start? <laughs> I well, think it, it, it certainly, um, it started with choice. Um, number one, I, I made a very conscious choice very early. Number one, I, well, I did not know what to do with the pain. As a 15 year old, I did not have the capacity to process what had gone down. So I had a heck of a lot of questions. What I did choose to do and whether it was, it was obviously a coping mechanism. It was, ob- there was obviously, um, deflection, denial. And so I buried, I did a lot of burying and um, one of the articles I wrote called From the Graveyard to the Garden of My Soul, um, I actually, I buried, I buried a lot of the hurt, I buried the pain because I, even though I had been in therapy, I still did not have, it was too much to process. Um, what I then needed to do along the way and one of the other stuff that, that really, I nearly died and I did touch the other side. And I think about a year or so, and, and then I just started building on that when I didn't, I had to be living for a reason. And so I started to become grateful for the fact that I didn't die when I was supposed to. And gratitude started to play a huge role mm. in, in, in defining perspective. And so there I was. Yes, I had nearly died, but then I started to look at this thing and say, hey, um, there were other girls that were raped, so you're not the only one. Um, it was 45 minutes and not 45 days. Yeah. It was one person who brutalized you and not a gang. Mm. You, at some point, you, you were released from this ordeal, and then there are women who are never released at all. They're born into human trafficking and, you know, they, they just stay there. So gratitude for me, gratitude about what had happened. And, and one of the, the key phrases that really always um, induces perspective is it could have been worse. So whatever we go through at any one point in our lives, um, it actually can be far worse. And that, that was held me from, from attending the pity parties. It, it was held me 
from becoming a victim. Hmm. And so there was gratitude, but there was also this thing of I could choose. So I, I did not choose that this thing happened to me. But in any given moment, I could choose how it was going to affect the rest of my life. And I could do this because I was living and I was grateful that I was living. But I could choose. And, and you know, there are things that will always be outside of our control. Um, there will be those who will want to and, 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 and who influence. But how those influences determine and influence our life and the degree to which we allow them to determine and influence our life is up to us. Mm -hmm. And that is a choice. And I believe that every human being has a choice of not necessarily what goes down in their lives, but how you respond to what goes down. And I chose, I chose so consciously that I was not going to, um, need or, or I, I, I would not, I felt like a sacrificial lamb, mm. but I decided that there was no way that this was going to define who I could become or could not become in life, mm. what I did do or, or didn't do. Robin spoke earlier, um, you know, the other thing that I needed to do was forgive. And, and I wrote the poem called The Rape 23 years later. It was 23 years after it went down. I was part of a, or I was asked to be part of a prison project. Lynn. I was going to meet, I was going to meet the head of the 26s and the 28s, which are the prison gangs. And there I was, and I did not feel courageous enough to do this. And I said, God help me. If you chose me for this project, how the heck am I going to go and face these people who are rapists? And um, I wrote the poem as, as, as a way of releasing it from my system. Mm. And, you know, Robin alluded to dis-ease earlier. And that was, that was one of the most miraculous moments in writing that 23 years later with the vividity wow. as though it had happened last year or, or last week. And so what I did need to do was I needed to kneel at that grave and I needed to dig it up. Yeah. Lynn, and, Lynn, I'm going to have to just interrupt you now. I, I, I think it's incredibly powerful, but we're, we're sort of running out of time and I, I want to just bring in, we've got two incredible people in the studio and one is a warrior and I just want to do really expand because you're talking about choice here and you're talking about how huge choice, um, has been, um, you know, for you to go full circle, to go to the prison, to write a poem when you're going to be talking to rapists, um, and, and what, what, what that was like for you um I, I just want to introduce our cancer warrior um onto the show at this point um he he's had uh, prostate cancer for the last nine years he has been working very closely with the dl link um so i'd like to welcome cedric paminski onto the show hi cedric thank you very much for joining us oh, and uh, cedric's wife rochelle um she's our angel really she's been by his side um every step of the well welcome rochelle thanks for coming onto the show uh, good afternoon. Um, so, so Cedric, listening to what Lynn is talking about, and she's talking about choice here, that's what I really want to go back to. Um, when you've been diagnosed with cancer, you don't have choice. I mean, this is, this is what's being given to you. Do you. Did you ever feel, and do you feel like you do have choices along you, the way? You definitely have choices. You, you, you've got to come round to accepting what what you got and 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 then to say right what am i now going to do what are my choices 
in fighting this uh, terrible disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and just from that, to be positive, to have the backup that you need, that just to that you're strong enough to, to, to fight this uh, particular disease. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, I'm at the stage where my chemo has failed, mm-hmm. but we're now going to be looking at an alternative treatment to see what uh, can can happen to me and to go forward to kill this uh, terrible disease. Cedric, you've had the cancer for nine years. So was the initial treatment um, chemotherapy? No, my initial treatment was I had brachytherapy. Right. Brachytherapy is when they implant uh, radioactive seeds into the prostate. Yes. But what had actually happened is during that time of when it was diagnosed with the cancer and to have the treatment, um, the cancer had escaped and ended up in my lymph nodes. Mm. So, well, and we didn't know because the chemo, the, the, the radiation that the, the pellets gave off stopped the disease for five years. And then it came back with a vengeance and it, it, it then hit my bones. Sure. Um, but, we went on to, as the years have gone by, the treatment has become progressively worse. And now I'm at that stage where we're having chemo to try and sort out my my problem. Mm. Yeah. Cedric, we're going to take a break. After that, I want to hear from Rochelle's point of view. I know it's not easy, Rochelle. Let's take a break. We're going to be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Ah, thank you for staying with us. So, Rochelle, Cedric, just talking about this journey for nine years, the first um, diagnosis of cancer, there's the shock, then treatment, then the cancer comes back and it's in a different place, then treatment, then it's this growing, moving journey that, again, I'm going to speak to the control, and I said the lack of control, and Cedric said, no, but there's so many choices along the way you get to choose, but it's Cedric's body. Um, and he's experiencing it, which in itself gives him a lot more control than you, the spouse, the wife, because you just have to be there all that time. That must be such a difficult thing to deal with, Rochelle. How's, how's the journey been for you? Um, I just have to be as supportive as I can. Sometimes it isn't easy. Yeah. Nine years of being supportive. Right. Right. You just got to be strong and just take one day at a time. For sure. And Cedric, when you see your wife get emotional like that, um, and as you say, you know, you, the chemo, you're finishing chemo, this is the next stage, how do you feel? I feel very grateful that uh, Rochelle has, has backed me all the way mm. um, through the disease, been there, and I appreciate the the the, the behind-the-scenes story of where she's trying to look after him. I'm in the disease, yeah. so I, I I don't have the problems, and Rochelle has to deal with my problems. On a daily basis, mm-hmm. whatever the problem is, mm-hmm. you know. So, from that point of view, it's it very nice that uh, uh, there is this support at home, 
as well as support elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And Rochelle, the DL Link have played a, a quite a big role in in Cedric's journey as well. Absolutely, they've uh, provided meals for us. We've been on a few holidays, um, and just the support from DL Link—they're like our family. Yeah, they are. They are. So, what is the way forward, um, Cedric? What, what what is the new treatment? Um, I don't know at the moment. The oncologist is um, still looking at it, but I am. He was not phased that the treatment hadn't worked. So if he's not phased, I'm not phased. I'm paying him to have the worry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's got to sort me out at the end of the day. Mm. Cedric, thank you. Rochelle, thank you. Thank you both for coming onto the show, for sharing your story. And we wish you good health, Cedric, and vitality, and long may your wonderful attitude and the gratitude and continue. And Rochelle, what an incredible support you are for your husband. So thank you for sharing the story. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. So, Robin, um, you, you heard Lynn also talking, because I know the two of you have worked before. Um, you talk about the heart, the mind, uh, the body, um, and then you listen to Cedric and Rochelle's story, you know, the, the, this, this diagnosis, and you're working hard, and, and you have no control. Um, Lynn was talking about you have choice, right? What do you say to that? Well, I say that you always have control. What we what we have different is our confidence to respond with it. Mm-hmm. So and and to both of you, thank you for coming in and you've moved me. Um, no one knows the pain of a situation until they find themselves in it. Mm-hmm. So I honour you guys for your journey. Um, the the truth of the matter is to a, a mentor, a friend of mine, uh, once said, "To each of us, our pain is different, but to each of us, that pain is real." And the key to me in that is the pain part, is the emotion part, is the energy in motion. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I haven't had to deal with cancer. I've had to deal with other stuff in my physical body and my mental body. And the reality I come to believe is that it works to the degree and the depth of my conviction. If I can believe in it, whatever it is, if it's a help in medicine, if it's a help in, uh, and enlightened thinking, if it's a help in physical practices, if it's a help in diet, whatever it is that you choose to put your faith in, it will help, it will work to the depth and the extent of your conviction. Hmm. So to people like you, I honor you for your journey and I encourage you in your conviction for whatever you've chosen for your remedy for, for, uh, um, for the listeners, I'm moved my con- my face towards to Cedric and, and Rochelle, and I'm chatting to them, and to each of us on our own journey. Nikki is whatever you choose to do, go all in, activate your head, your heart, and your hands, and that's why I wrote this book. Is the the reason people get stuck is because they lose out on one of those three domains, mm-hmm. one of those three levels. Mm-hmm. So we do all the head work and the heart work, but we leave our body behind. Mm-hmm. Or we do all the physical work and the heart work, but we don't activate our intelligence. We don't think it through and mm-hmm. we don't clear in our mind what we choose to believe and what we don't. More often than not, I speak for myself. My own obstacles have been my belief. I will get, as a saying I often find myself saying in people fight me on it but it's true well it's true to me what i see is what i get whatever in every domain of my life my physical well-being my intellectual my professional space my family space everything i have in my life right now is exactly what i asked for Mm. 
The key is, am sure, I clear? Exactly what I asked for. Am yeah. I clear what I'm asking for? Mm. Do I speak with God with clarity? Do I look into the universe and see what I believe we have everything we need within our reach for our physical wealth, our intellectual wealth, our health wealth, uh, everything we need. What we don't know, we're not very good at, is understanding what we believe and how to ask for what we hope for. Wow. I, I think that you've piqued everybody's interest. So, and I'm sure you expand on all of that in book, the how to. The how to is very, because we can talk about right. it. The book is like the a hamburger. Is a, is the how to is the, the, the bread at the bottom. Okay. The what is is the patty and the first part of the book is the science. Knowing, look, there's stuff you're about to want to not choose to believe, but that's because you've been taught differently. And I need to deal with, so what is the brain? What is the hormones? What is the blood? What, how does the body work? And then the whole book ends in, okay, so nice idea. Now, how do we do it? Where do we get the book? Easiest way is <laughs> Amazon.com. Yeah. Look for Robin Pullen and then just search for Get Activated and you get the paper book and the ebook both on Amazon. Pullen spelled P-U-L-L-E-N. Correct. Robin, thank you. Wow. Thank you, so wonderful having you on the show. It really has been a pleasure. Lynn, and you're there and we have to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us, Lynn. You've just touched the surface. Um, I, I would love to hear your poetry and our listeners would love to hear your poetry and the, the, the stories that you have to share of of this incredible journey that you've been on. Where can people hear more um, of your stories? Sure. Um, so my, I've also written a book, and um, there's you know there's going to be a pre-launch on the second of August, and then um, the actual launch on the fourth of October. But um, I think from the context of booking me for uh, as a speaker. That could certainly happen through Women of Stature, um, through the Women Impact Speaker Bureau. Um, and, yeah, um, my website, www.lynnhillinternational.com. And then I am also pretty active on social media. Wonderful, Lynn. Thank you so very much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Lynn Hill. Thank you for uh, having me. Thank you, founder of Soul Power. Um, and thank you for joining us. Um, every week, uh, it is a privilege to be in your presence. Um, I do look forward to being with you same time next week. From me, Nikki Seberini. Until then, goodbye.